Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Play All The Way, a Legion United podcast by the fans and for the fans. Uh, I'm Dean and I'm joined today by Pete. Hello. And our special guest, James. Hello. Right, well, we'll notice regular listeners, all five of you, will notice that we've depleted squad again today. But looking at Chelsea, excellent, excellent point. Uh, I don't think many people would have, would have uh, predicted a draw. I mean, apart from me and James. Uh, I think Pete did as well. No, I think James said we were going to win. It was just me and you. No, it wasn't. So I'll take that back. I'm a liar. <laughs> just talk about them not being prepared. That's how prepared I was. But regardless, a great, great point. How do you think we played it in, uh, in general? Uh, I thought we were... I thought we set off really well in terms of um, how intense our press was. I couldn't... I, I, know we, I know we press intensely anyway, and that's part of what our game is based on. But I thought that even by our standards, we had a really, really intense press. I think I noticed the most with Harrison, actually. As soon as um, the ball went to their right back, Harrison was absolutely on them like a flash. And I think that when you set off like that, it really just set the tone for the game. And, and sort of, I mean, even the best players in the world, if you put them under that much relentless pressure, they are going to slip up and it's going to restrict the amount that they can play. Don't get me wrong, they obviously had chances and they did grow into it a little bit and they obviously had more possession. But I was just, I think what I was really impressed with, with was um, the press originally, especially in the first half. And then in general, just our, our defensive shape. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it uh, later, but... It's Lorente and particularly Strike, I thought were absolutely awesome. And Phillips as well. I got a, a big mention to Phillips. He's just looking absolutely... The, the past two games, I think West Ham and Chelsea, I think he's been absolutely sensational. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I think you're right with the press there. Um, as soon as... I think Chelsea did it as well. When Chelsea started, they, they were pressing quite high. We were pressing quite high. And it kind of set the tone what looked like was going to be a very open game in the first 15 minutes because there was so much space. Once you beat that press, that was it. It was like, oh my God, this is, this is going to be like a 3-3 or something insane but I think both teams look very good defensively or de- organised defensively and um, I think yeah that's why it ended as it is and like you said we've just matched a team who spent hundreds of millions of pounds and I, I, I think a draw was the right result personally. Yeah so do I I think draws fair and um, you mentioned there about the you know, defensive shape and stuff and how we were defensive because we were, we were brilliant that was our 13th different centre-back pairing so does that surprise you about how good we were defensively and how organised we were? Had more changes than us on the podcast, hasn't it? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was definitely surprised. Actually, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I think I was surprised. I'm also surprised. I mean, it's okay to have your 13 centre back pairing against a team who's not hasn't got that much quality, but to have that 13 centre back pairing against a good side as well, I think we were all possibly fearing the worst. I know we just spoke off air just before we started recording, talking about how much we were sort of dreading the game, and then even more dread when you realise it's another different centre back pairing. But they actually worked. At, you know, unbelievably well together. I don't know how much there is in the sense that um, Bielsa's got his left footer and his right footer, so he's not trying to play Cooper and Strike together as two left footers. He's got that right footer and that left footer, and I don't know how much that helps, but overall, they, they were unbelievable. Um, I'm sure you might have read that stat uh, that I read yesterday, that unbelievable one, that in, we've only had seven games where we've had the least possession this this season, and we haven't lost in any of them. In fact, we've kept a clean sheet in six of them, which I think is absolutely an unbelievable stat. It, it 
takes me back, I think. We did it in the Championship, I'm sure. Not the Pablo 30-second game against West Brom, but it was one where West Brom absolutely battered us at Ellen Road. I think it was the first time we'd ever had less possession in a game. And we ended up winning 1-0. 1-0. was it, yeah. Yeah. It does seem weird. There's been a few... I think there was another game in the Championship as well where we were battered by a team and might have even been Brentford or something and we, we managed to get a, a point or something and... Yeah, it's weird. Obviously, he's not going to turn around and go, right, yeah, let's sit back, let's not have possession. But it is a mad start, isn't it? It just doesn't make I, sense. I wonder how much that start is based on the fact that um, we didn't concede an early goal. So I think when we concede an early goal, teams are then happy to concede possession to us. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a case of we play better when we don't have the ball or we defend better when we don't have the ball. I think that circumstances then dictate that stat. But if they, we've conceded quite a few early goals and, uh, you know, it, it's tough to get back from there. And I think teams, once they get that early goal or two goals, um, they're pretty happy to sit back and let us have that possession and just sit in and, and sit in that shape. And that's possibly why in the games we've lost, we've actually had more possession. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I think we said uh, last time, didn't we, about that, about when it's a worrying when we go one down. Um, because we struggle to break teams down and stuff. So it'd be interesting to know whether teams make a conscious decision on that, knowing how tough we find to break them down. So if you get another goal against Leeds, give them the ball. I mean, don't get me wrong, lots of teams may not, may not think that because when we get one, we'll, we'll, we'll likely end to go get another one, aren't we? You know, that's, you know, that sort of team. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if that plays on the mind a little bit. What do we feel about um, if Cooper's back fit? I'm, I'm sure Bielsa would put him back in as you know being club captain, but does he deserve to be back in? What do you think is going to happen when Cooper gets back fit? We mentioned this yesterday, and um, Connor sort of not he's uh, you've got to play Cooper, and you sort of said he was blinded by his love for him. Um, it's tough, isn't it? There's, there's potentially four centre halves there who have all warranted a start. Who I, I mean. I don't think you can drop strike at the moment, the way he's playing in centre-half. Lorente, I, I had a little message in before the game because as good as he's looked, he has worried me now and again, just, just like Cock did at the start, where there's just that little mistake in there and he did make a mistake yesterday again, but he looked really, he was solid throughout, he was brilliant. Um, Cock was looking really good before his injury and Cooper's just looked solid. This, this is what I want to go back to as well because we just talked about it's the 13th, different partnership. Liverpool, I know I always revert back to them. They're about 17, I think, or something like that, and they keep moaning. You've got to take into account as well. All our partnerships have had none, if, well, any Premier League experience. So, okay, Henderson's not a centre-half. Fabinho's not a centre-half. Joe Gomez, whatever, but he's, you know, not the most experienced. But these are championship players playing in a makeshift defence, and they're doing great, really good. Do you see it as a battle between uh, for the left side and the right side? Do you think so, Lorente and Cocker in competition with each other and Cooper and Stryker in competition with each other? Or do you think it's a free-for-all where any of those four could play in those two positions? I think the way that Bielsa thinks about football, I think it'd, it'd be a free-for-all, wouldn't you? It would go based on who's performing week in, week out. But I would say, I think, and I'm actually all for Cooper coming back in, which is another bit of bold. Um, I don't know, I've got to flip a coin somewhere. And... Uh, don't put my head down. Only thing I know is that, that uh, I get stripped with the strokes game is um, like silly niggly fouls. I don't like he did. He did one yesterday, didn't he? Where he just shoved somebody over, like didn't need to. Like it was a really unnecessary foul. So I don't know whether I want Cooper in there just, 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 just you know, for the experience, especially for the next. Oh, we've got against teams like you know Scum, City, Liverpool. 
it shows you how much you, um, Liam Cooper's developed when you're wanting him in to not commit silly fouls. You know, does <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it? But I know what you mean about strike. Um, I, I, the one that sticks in my mind really clearly is um, Spurs away, where he dived in on Harry Kane and Harry Kane took it round him and then crossed and then crossed the ball in for Son. And I just think he could have just held his position a little bit there. But then again, it is part of Bielsa's. You know, Bielsa's mantra of, of press. You know, if you're the closest man, then you're going to go and press that one. But I do think he got around him a little bit, um, a little bit too easily there. Cooper's been solid this season, though, really, hasn't he? I mean, he's not been. I remember the Crystal Palace game. I think at home he got a lot of plaudits because he was absolutely fantastic then and, and kept their strikers quiet all, all evening. But in general, there's not been a lot of plaudits going his way. He's just been quietly going about his business. But I think he's been pretty solid, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. I, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, just on. The selection. I don't think Bielsa would do it. Would he base it on the opponents? So, for example, obviously we've got Fulham on Friday. Obviously, if Mitrovic was starting, if he was playing week in week out, I think he might go with Stroik, someone a bit more well taller to you know challengeable, etc. Than, than Cooper. I don't think he would. Would he? It's not really the Bielsa way. He just hit, concentrate on his team. Yeah, of course we would. Yeah, I think we play play our way, don't we? We've got to change in front of Bielsa. We only change, don't we, if they go top top. It'd be interesting to see if Fulham do do that because Fulham are a team that do. They did it yesterday, didn't they? We had um, Luckman and that uh, Cavalier up from. So it'd be interesting to see what Bills does in that. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Fulham. One thing that worried me yesterday, uh, the commentators got on it, was I was surprised. And I was surprised when they stopped. Pulisic was all over Alioski. Like he had his number, didn't he? And I was amazed that they, they sort of stopped utilising that in the second half. Uh, that that terrified me throughout the first half. Yeah, I think um, I definitely think it ha- still highlights our need for a left back, especially when you consider that Dallas is probably one of our better centre mids at the minute. So putting him at left back is not always not always the best solution. Although I'm I'm sure you probably thought the same when we, you saw that there was going to be a final substitution. Did we all think it was going to be click on for Alioski and Dallas into left back and click into midfield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought especially as well when Reese James had come on. I remember back at Stamford Bridge, Reese James. So it was Pulisic this time at Ellen Road had Alioski, you know, had him on the rack and he was, he was really absolutely tormenting him. And I think that Reese James did the same to him back at Stamford Bridge. So when he came on, I thought, oh, Alioski's in trouble here. And Alioski was on a yellow card as well, is that right? Yeah, yeah I think was, he, yeah. he was on his literal last, last one as well, wasn't he? Because I think oh, he pulled right, his shirt, didn't he? And the yeah, there was something happened, something happened off camera or something like that. He didn't really yeah. see it flick to it and the ref was having a, a long word with him and then the substitution came a, couple, a, a minute or so after that and I thought he's got to be pulling Alioski off because that is one thing that Bielsa does actually he takes into account people on yellow cards I think but, or by the looks of it anyway he had a strike didn't he yeah it was he playing Villa Villa, Villa yeah. yeah after about 20 minutes yeah, <laughs> yeah. you mentioned Reese James as well I'm sure I hate to bring up the game um, Wigan at home when he was on loan there I'm sure he bossed I know sorry Dean he absolutely bossed that game as well. So when I saw him go, yeah, he did. Oh, oh. Somebody who did have a good game and <laughs> take a lot of selling to take a moment was Tyler Roberts. Played well, didn't he? Uh, he deserves the credit that he got. You know, he nice little turn went on the byline to get away from somebody. Unluck, unlucky not to score, really, I think. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, You've got to be. You've got to take the rough with the smooth, haven't you? And when he's not playing consistently, you've got to call him on it. And when actually he's playing well, you've got to hold him and say, "Yeah, that that is what you. That's what you want to see from him." You know, we all want the best from him, and we want to see performances like that. And we just need to see it a little bit more consistently. And even sometimes within the game, again, 
I don't want to feel like I'm being negative about Tyler Roberts, but there was a couple of touches where if you just take the ball with him or something like that, and you're just thinking, you've had a brilliant game, cap it off now by doing everything right. And there was still a couple of things, but I, I, I almost don't like myself for saying that because I feel like I'm being harsh about someone who's had overall probably his best performance in a league shirt, apart from maybe West Hull. Brom, on the four, uh, yeah, Hull, and also he played really well when we beat West Brom 4 0. I actually thought yeah, he's brilliant in that game. Yeah, but I mean, so we're talking, I wonder how many appearances he's made, but we're only talking a handful of games where we, the three of us can pick out. He's been absolutely superb. And we mentioned it earlier, just that consistency. So we know he can do it. We just need to see more of it now. I agree with you. I, I sort of said in, in the chat as well, because Lee, he comes on, he's quite a big admirer, obviously, the, the Wales connection, etc. And um, I said, it's great, because obviously when all this, the flair stuff comes off and, you know, the passes, etc., it looks really, really good. And, you know, it, it's good to see. But still, like you mentioned then, there's just the little simple things. Just make it, like you said, an all-round game. Make it the perfect day. Still do your basic stuff as well as all your, you know, your fancy flicks, etc. I mean, his shot, the difference is that Traore hits the bar, hits Melier and goes in. This one hits Mendy and doesn't go in. It just sums up, I think, Roberts' luck with his uh, trying to get that goal. Um, look, also then at somebody else who I thought, was looking quite good before he came off with Bamford. Or oh, showed another side. I know he's offside for, for Roberts' goal and stuff, but again, showed that unselfish streak in him, you know, giving a goal to somebody else, giving an opportunity to somebody. And it was, it's a massive shame for him to go out. Um, how worried are you about, about him and Leeds going forward? I am quite worried because I don't think... I think Rodrigo technically is good enough to replace him, whether physically and he's got, whether he's got the right energy to be able to replace him. That would be my main concern. I actually... I read a lot of comments after the game. People saying that they weren't particularly impressed with Rodrigo. I'd be interested to see what you two think, actually. I didn't think he was that bad. I thought he had a couple of nice touches. There was the one he set Rafita. He headed it down for Rafinha in the box to turn and have that shot from, to draw that brilliant save from Mendy. And there was a couple of nice touches here and there. And I could see he was trying to do Bamford's job. He wasn't quite as effective at it, but I could see him putting in a lot of those, those sprints and trying to put sort of a bit of pressure on. So I think technically... I don't think, um, I'm not too concerned, but like I said, I think if Bamford's out for a while and we choose to go with Rodrigo up front, I think that we'll lose quite a lot of the physical presence up top. I, I agree. I, I think as well, they might, uh, did Roberts, go, well, Roberts did go up there when Rodrigo came off, but I think he might go with that as well at Fulham and, and keep Rodrigo as, as just behind Roberts. Um, I'm a little bit worried, obviously. We all saw what happened when last season when Nketiah was starting. It was, it was weird. It was, as much of a finisher and poetry was, we just didn't look the same team without Bamford in. And it was almost like, well, you've got to play Bamford, even if he's not scoring, because we're just weird with a different team. But, yeah, I agree. Obviously, it's our record sign of Rodrigo coming in. We He's got the ability, we know that. Um, he's nearly scored a hat-trick in the under-23s, which I know, easy to do, etc. Yeah, it'll be all right. I'm just a bit gutted for Pax, I know. Southgate was there, and I know the announcement's coming up on Thursday for the England squad. Not saying he would get in. However, obviously, this it, it'd be gutting if he was going to get in and he's going to be ruled out because of injury. Yeah, I mean, it, sh- it shouldn't be a worry that you're losing your uncapped Patrick Bamford, who we got really frustrated with last season, and bringing in a £29 million Spain international. Like, it shouldn't be a worry, but it, you just because of the way we play, it, it just is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you look at a band for this, this is a man who has spent the last, you know, two, two and a bit seasons learning to play this, this position in a very particular way. And I don't think anybody else would have had the intense 
training for that uh, that Bamford has had. You know, you, you look at Roberts. Roberts doesn't seem to make the same movements that Bamford does. And Rodrigo playing there. Um, he's probably spent the last six months trying to learn how to play this centre attack midfield position in a Leeds United team. He's not been there. He's not there easy to be a striker. So I think that probably will be quite tough for anybody to replace Paddy. Uh, I just really, I was praying that he's back sooner rather than later. You're right there as well. I don't think you can underestimate how much a season under Bielsa can can change a player or a couple of seasons or even a full pre-season. I remember when Bielsa first came in and you could see the difference between the players who'd had all pre-season with him who were already at the club and the players who'd been signed after he'd come in. Even just by sort of three or four weeks, you could see a difference in those players who'd had that full pre-season with him. So I'm hoping that Rodrigo, after a full season under Bielsa, you know, he's that, he, I'm not saying comes good because I, I think he's a good player. He's clearly a good player, but um, again, starts to be the player that we all thought he was going to be when you know when we signed him. Um, what, what were your thoughts? Sorry to just take the conversation in a different direction. What were your thoughts on Harrison being back in? I thought he looked. I thought he was quite unlucky to get subbed. To be honest, I did. I think the way you you sort of summed up at the start as well with Harrison doing the press. I don't think you'd see that from Costa, would you? Really? And I thought that was the reason why he started him. He was. He did. He, he looked good to me. He put a few good balls in as well, and you could see he was disappointed when he came off. We we all know he's better than Costa. We 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 do. But he just won't play him for a full game, will he? And I, I don't know why. I don't understand. Is it because he he knows he needs to change something, and should think in his head it's Harrison or Rafinha, and he's not going to drop Rafinha because the way that he's been doing the way that you know like he only takes a moment, doesn't he? Well, you'd drop him, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, well, uh, you, you, I, I don't. I don't think you should be unsubable. Uh, I, I do. I do think that. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I think it takes quite a long time to get into a game and stuff. You know, like again, yes, it was get video flashes, but uh, I think I think I was a bit frustrated when actually speaking of Finney when he went into the box and trying to take it around two or three people. Um, I didn't think it was necessary. I know, I know he luckily like got through it a little bit and then he got himself a good position, but I actually think that attempt at the beginning wasn't necessary. I think there was options open there. But then that's what you get when you get somebody, you know, a flair player who likes to take it around people. I think we've, we've all got frustrated over the years that players being too scared. Remember, Hadi Sacco had the pace, didn't he? But wouldn't do anything with it. You know, as soon as he near him, it was, ah, get rid of it, you know. <laughs> So, so I don't want to break him too much for it because I want to see him be confident to take, people, well, take it around people. Well, I don't want me be having a go at Rafinha because I actually really, really rate him. He's clearly one of our better players. I don't, um, I don't think we look. Substa- I don't think we look substantially weaker when Costa came on. But is that what you want a sub to do? Come on and not be weaker. You know, like that's not what you really want to be saying about a substitution, is it? Yeah, you want him to impact the game, don't you? You don't. I know, I know what you were saying, Dean, about obviously. He's got to change it, and it's either Rafinha or Harrison. But also, I don't think Bielsa would just change it for the sake of changing it, if that makes sense. He, yeah, he there's got to be a, well, we all know there's got to be a reason. I mean, to sub Rodrigo on and sub him off as well in the same game, the second time he's done it this season, there's, there's, there's always a reason behind it. And maybe there is something with Costa that maybe Chelsea were going to attack more and Costa again, like, I can't remember what game it was where he came on and Ran in behind them all the time. We discussed it as well. Um, was it the Arsenal, Arsenal game? Was it Arsenal. the Arsenal game? Yeah, it was the Arsenal game. Stormgate's Arsenal, didn't he? Arsenal, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe that was the reason he brought him on. But yeah, it's unlucky for Harrison. You could see he was, he was gutted again. Well, I felt that uh, Rodrigo came off because I, I said to you guys, I thought it was more ability in midfield about the energy because obviously he's come back from injury and stuff. I wonder whether he likes to change a winger 
that for a similar reason, you know, just because, you know, the job that they've got to do for 90 minutes is massive in it. You know, that's that's my, maybe why Harrison doesn't last a whole night on a regular basis, because he wants to make sure that whoever's in that position is, is fresh. So if they've got a press that high up consistently, you know, you, you, you've, got, you've got to be, you know, ready for that, don't you? You've got to be. We haven't seen Pervader either, have we? I know he's been on the bench the last couple of games, but he would have been an option. And I thought that although he wasn't, again, he wasn't really changing games, I thought he looked bright and he looked like he had more intent and more purpose than when Costa comes on. So I thought that he could possibly be an option, but obviously he's not um, not really yeah. being considered at the minute. Yeah, I like Pervader, I do. And I agree, he, he does look bright. And it's just that something different, isn't it, as well? You, you, you will take on players that Costa was scared to do. I know he's, he's looked better in recent weeks, Costa, but... Yeah. Well, that's what I'll say about Costa. You know, has he scored the same amount of goals as Harrison this year in less game time? I think he has. Yeah, I think so, mm. hasn't he? Um, you know, so, you know, we, we look at that and we, you know, we, I, I'm not a big Costa fan, but when, when he scored last couple of weeks and, and scored goals or got an assist, I, th- I think it's it's difficult to get rid of somebody like that from, from a team, isn't it? I think. Mm. But going back to uh, defence, I want to praise defence again because that was a, another uh, clean sheet that we got. Is that clean sheet number nine for um, Melian and his varied defence? Um, n- very rare, isn't it? A nil-nil under Bielsa. Is that only like the third one ever? Like, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Doesn't happen often. It's a rarity in itself. Yeah, definitely. It must be rare. Like I said, I can I can remember obviously the Arsenal game earlier this season as nil-nil, and that's and that is the only one that that springs to mind at the minute. But yeah, the defence were awesome. I know Meslier. Everything he did, you would expect him to do. But, you know, if it had been Kiko Casillo, would he have done those things? There's a, there's a fair chance that um, those things wouldn't necessarily have happened. So I don't think it's, you know, uh, yeah, like I said, he dealt with everything that he should have done. Um, I did wonder why, and I also thought this about the Newcastle game, why don't opposition managers look at our defensive record and throw someone like Giroud on? Why didn't Newcastle put Andy Carroll on against us? You know, I, I'm not a football manager, but it doesn't take a genius to look at where our problems are and go, well, I've got a guy who's absolutely incredible and he's so strong in the air. I'm going to put him on against this defence. I just said this to Dean before we came on. Um, I think what Dean said, he was speaking to a friend and said, if Havertz could finish, it would be, they they probably would have beaten us. And I said, well, I was worried that Giroud was going to come on and he was going to score. And we both agreed that, yeah, why, why not throw him on? He's brilliant in the air. Just doesn't make sense, does it? Why wouldn't you start with a a, a typical, you know, number nine who, who is going to cause us problems in the box? Probably because Havertz had such a good game the other day, didn't he? Uh, probably wants to keep that going. But I completely agree. I can't believe Drew didn't come on, even even as a sub. You know, I said to you this then the visions of the last minute corner mm-hmm. and Drew popping up and scoring. I mean, Rudiger uh, looked dangerous, didn't he? So I had visions of him because he he was stepping out quite a bit and he was he had one decent shot. Um, but yeah, I could just see, it's, especially when we had that corner, it was like in the 92nd minute. I thought, oh, here we go. Here we go. Speaking of Rudiger, I thought he was outstanding against us today. Yeah. He did a really good job, especially at Bamford at first, like half an hour and he was on. Thought he, I thought he'd done really, really well. Um, and arguably, when, when they announced Man of the Match, I really expect it to be Rudiger, which I think probably shows, you know, the sort of job that we did as well. That's because we were defensive. Probably shows how good we did attacking as well because. Set the backs don't play well if they're not getting threatened. I think McManaman forgot about it because he named Tyler Roberts man of the match, and then it came up. Rudiger came on the screen. He was like, "Oh yeah, and Rudiger's had a really, really good game." And he, he done this, this, and that. But, yeah, well done, McManaman. Really. 
um, looking forward then, uh, looking towards uh, the Fulham game on Friday. Uh, for Pete, this is a relegation battle and a decider, I think. <laughs> but how important is this game? How important is it to get a win? I think it's more important for them than it is for us. I'll definitely say that. I noticed uh, you sent me the agenda before we uh, before we came on and had a look, and you said for Fulham, is it a must-win game? Um, I don't think it's a must-win, but uh, I think it's definitely more important for them. They've got Newcastle on the last day of the season. Did you know that? That is going to be an absolute... I, I can't imagine... The, I just hope we're well clear of that. I've had enough. I've had enough tension in my life. I'm quite. I'm quite enjoying just a season where there's limited amount of stress and things like that. And I can't even. If I was a Fulham fan or a Newcastle fan, I would already be looking towards that date and thinking, "Oh my days, what on earth is coming on the horizon here?" So I don't think it's necessarily. Um, I don't think it's a must-win for either game. But if it is a must-win for somebody, definitely more Fulham than us. Do you think we're safe? Just out of interest, and I, I know just to bring this up because obviously I've been berated. Before I don't know, I can't remember if we brought it up when you were last on. Do you think we're? Are you, are you happy to walk around the street with a big T-shirt saying Leeds United a Premier League next season? Would you be happy to do that? It, it depends how. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to answer the question directly. I sound like a politician here. Do you mean that if we lost every game this season from now on, do I still think we'd stay up, or do I just think that we're? Do I think we're going to be safe? Do you think we're going to be safe? I, I think we're going to be safe because I think that when you look at us play, even in the games we've lost, we're well in them. We don't look like a team who is struggling. So I think we'll still pick up enough points if we were absolutely if we were absolutely awful in every game, and you know we managed to scrape a draw against Chelsea somehow. You know because teams can get draws against big teams. You've seen did West Brom draw or beat Liverpool um, when Sam Allardyce first took over? One. Yeah, yeah, one one, but that was a sort of game where they were absolutely clinging on for dear life, and you and so yes, all right, it's still worth one point, but it was it was the manner in which they got the point, and I just don't see us as being the sort of team who's clinging on, who's you know holding on for dear life. We look like a team who the stats look like they belong in the Premier League for me, anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I I, I kind of <laughs> we we are near enough safe, I would say near enough, but I I still just have little you know. I had a bit Does of a, a win panic. on Friday change that? Does what, sorry? Does a win on Friday change that in your mind? Yeah, it does. It does, definitely for me. Um, I had a little panic last night before the Fulham City game and I shared it saying, well, look, if Fulham miraculously do beat City and then they go and beat us, they're only about four points behind us. I know we have a game in hand and I'm like, well, you know, just let's not... We've all been there jumping the gun before. We've all, well, we all heard Angus Kinnear say, see you at Wembley when we played Derby oh. in the playoffs. Um yeah, so I, I just don't like counting my chickens, but yeah, I think beat beat Fulham on Friday and kind of safe, yeah, ish. Does <laughs> does Fulham probably not needing the win then? They want the win, and when it, when when the earmark teams begin the season, you know, like you look at these are teams that we want to go beat and stuff. You know, Leeds would have been on that for a lot of teams at the bottom. You know, Leeds would have been a team that they feel like they need to beat if they want to stay up. Um, if that's in their mind. Does that then play into our hands then if they've got if they have to come out open to us? Because over the last couple of months they've looked solid at the back. They've not conceded many. I know there's they, they conceded three last night to Man City, but I defy I find I challenge to find many teams that will keep City out. Um I know we did. We nearly did. I won one. Yeah. <laughs> but does that play into our hands a bit more? I see Matt they they probably in that they, they can get a result against and will probably have to come out a bit. Do, do we think that might happen? Yeah, I think it probably depends on how depends on how they view us, doesn't it? I mean, if they view us as a team that they need to sit back against and 
like you said, they did, they would have at the start of the season, I have no doubt, earmarked that as a game where they think, right, Leeds at home, we can get three points against that. I wonder if they've changed their mentality with regards to how they view us um, as a result of what's happened this season. But hopefully not, actually. I hope they do come out at us a little bit more because, like you said, that, that would hopefully play into our hands. I wonder, we know, and I know exactly what you mean, Pete, like it's the Leeds United thing, isn't it? You can never, ever be completely and utterly satisfied until it's mathematically possible. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many other teams are worried. So I'm looking at Wolves, who are just one point behind us, Southampton, who are three points behind us. Do you think they're as worried as what we still are a little bit? The club's probably not. I reckon there'll be certain sections of fans that will be. I mean... Yesterday they were talking after Palace beat West Brom said, well, that's them safe sort of now. That's it, them done. I was thinking, well, if they're safe, then we're safe. I mean, no one's no one's talking about us as relegation candidates and the bookies won't eat. Well, they are still practicing up, but they you know, just won't entertain it. So I, I think you've got to say Fulham, Newcastle, Brighton are, are the three now. West Brom and Sheffield United are down. Um, oh, just also on that note, goodbye, Chris Wilder. And welcome, Paul Heckenbottom. But, you know, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I, obviously, Radrazani might be a little bit not worried, but again, you just it just needs to be secure. I'm just one of those freaks that needs it to be there in black and white and done. And I also think that we're so used to, well, not so used to, but we've been, the last couple of seasons, we've been at the top of the league where teams below us have been constantly winning, whereas now when you're towards the bottom, the teams below you aren't always constantly winning. So when you don't pick, when you don't pick up points, it's not like they're racing up towards you. Um, so there's a little bit of leeway there. And I also think that, I mean, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. There's going to have to be a lot to go wrong for us to go down here because we're all right saying that Fulham are on a roll, but you've also oh. got to, no, but you've also got, You've got to have Newcastle, Brighton, Burnley also, you, you know, and Fulham. That's four teams who've got to put a really, really good run together with some yeah. tough fixtures still to come to, you know, to get past us at this point. And we've still got to play some of those teams as well. We've still got, well, Brighton, Burnley and Fulham. We've still got to play, so, you know. And Sheffield United. Yeah, and Sheffield United and West Brom. <laughs> yeah. You are spot on because there is always one team at the bottom who will be on form, who will... And it probably might it might even be Fulham, but like you said, you've got other teams there. You've got Newcastle, you've got Brighton, etc. But when you're at the top, it's usually three or four teams who are just piling on win after win. You you look and say, oh, it might be them. It might. Be. I mean, it must have changed about three different times last season. Saying, oh yeah, Fulham might be the main threat. Brentford might be the main threat. It was all chopping and changing. Um, but yeah, down there you're scrapping, aren't you? So it's not they're not all. Touch wood, not all going to be on form. <laughs> but will we ever end a London hoodoo? That's the question. Isn't I there? just thought, I mean, we've we've nearly been speaking for Fulham for about five minutes and not mentioned it's in <laughs> London. Like, we're doing quite well. <laughs> because we're going to win in London, that's why, Pete. Well, Fulham, I, well, I think they, uh, again, cursing it. I don't think they've got the best home record at Craven Cottage. I'm sure I saw they, they've scored eight goals there this season or something. I'm sure yeah, they've great. Which... They're sort of shop, shop in general, though, haven't they? You know, they're not conceding and they're not scoring many. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's done. Well, I don't know how to rate the job. I'm going to ask you. I don't, I can't, I don't know how to decide how to rate how Scott Parker's done this season as a manager. I know he's taken a team that finished, they finished sixth in the end and then go up through playoffs. You know, he's taken a team that was sixth in the championship, looking like the, 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 they could have a good battle, avoid relegation. Do you think he's done a good job there or not? I think he's done all right. Do you know what? I think he's a he's a good quality of a manager, and I don't like to put too much praise on Scott Parker, but I always think he's a good quality to actually be able to turn a season around in the middle of the season. 
Um, it's okay to sort of, if you're having a steady season and to remain steady, then fair enough. A little bit like what we've done. Obviously, Bielsa's unbelievable. There's no question there. Sorry, I knew who thinks I'm questioning Bielsa. But um, in terms of Scott Parker, I think that he's obviously started poorly and everyone's sort of written them off. And I think it probably does take a little bit of skill and a bit of nous to actually turn a team around and even look like at this stage of the season that they might be safe. So I think he's done a, I don't know if he started off doing a good job, but I think it shows he's got some certain qualities to be able to be in the position that they're in now. I yeah, well, I only mention it because they're going to they're going to be completely different outfits. The side that we faced at the beginning of the season, you know, I think people who are expecting a four three uh, and a repeat of that are going to be. I think you're probably a little bit disappointed because um, I can't I can't see I can't see it being like a gung ho game like that again. No, I can't. I can't. I, I think the first it shows the difference between I think them sitting back against us and actually going at us. The, that actual game first half, they did sit back and we just absolutely destroyed them. But then. When they came at us, they were like, hang on a minute, Leeds look a bit fragile here. We can, you know, get the odd goal. And I think we were hanging on towards the end. I think it was good. it was nice to see the full-time whistle. Um, but yeah, he's, he's done all right. I, I agree to change it around halfway through the season. I think a lot, I think he was one or two games away from being sacked. Well, obviously we don't know that, but so reports were saying. He's got quite a few loans in, which is not always easy, as, as we all know from our championship days, trying to get them to gel in a team. Um, yeah, I, I think he's done all right. I, he's not going to set the world on fire, is he? He's not. I, th- I think if Fulham went down, he'd probably stay there. I don't think he'd be looking for a, another Premier League job. I don't. I can't see anybody rushing to employ him. But well, unless Chelsea fancy the chances again of just employing a, a failed ex-player. But yeah. Uh, do you think Mitrovic, do you think Mitrovic will start against us? Because again, that's another player who you'd think is absolutely ideal to play against us. But I know he's not been starting for Fulham, um, and, and I don't know about you, but just from my champ- time in the Championship, I've just got a fear of Mitrovic. Just the name just fills me with dread. Absolutely, that elbow against Ben White in the first whatever it was five minutes of the game it just sums him up. I, I, yeah. I don't like him. Don't like him at all. I, I, I definitely will. I, I, I don't think he, he suits their their way and again you I think Luckman does Luckman play on the right? I'm not sure is he on the left? I don't left. know. Left. Is he on the left? Okay, I was gonna say Luckman I think, so. I think he played on the left last night. I think Cavalero's on the right. I, I still think they'll just go for pace and try and hit us on the counter and Mitrovic can't provide that. He, he's one to throw on though, isn't he? He's one to yeah from a corner. And he's he's got a fairly good record against us as well, hasn't he? I think he has. I, I know the last game he Struggle, like I'm sure he struggled where you could see with me that that's the key is frustrating him. Just make don't let him have anything. Frustrate him and then he'll yeah. just play himself out of the game. But if he gets a sniff, yeah, more than likely he'll score past us. Yeah. He's, a sort of, he's a sort of player, um, and and uh, sorry, sorry to go back to the Chelsea game, um, but you know that cross that Harrison put in, and I think it was Rudiger just got to the ball before Bamford, and I just thought to myself. Get me wrong, I would never swap Bamford for Mitrovic, but a Mitrovic type player would have had that desire to get there to sort of dive at it, use his body, get in front of him, and possibly put a chance like that in. And Bamford's just not that type of player. And I think that, that that's the type of player that worries me. I agree. I kind of put, yeah, that, I kind of put it in the group, didn't he? And said, Should Bamford be doing better there? And I replied, Ray, yes. But yeah. again, it's like you said, it's not Bamford's, that's not his game, is it? Yeah, you say, you like to say, you say, through there, don't you? Because Bamford, that goal against Villa. Um, well, and a couple of goals against Villa. Mitrovic isn't putting them away. He's not going to put a death finish, you know, like that. You know, so you, you, 
know, you, you take that, don't you? Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Even though you want him to see him throwing himself in there, as I thought as well, I thought he could have probably thrown himself at it. Uh, I, I also just think Rudiger really marked him really well for that as well. I thought he followed him brilliantly. Right, uh, going on to um, Heart and Song. Just something that's uh, made us happy in Leeds United at last uh, a little while ago. Uh, so it's only been two days since the last one. Um, but so it popped up straight away. So we finished the podcast, was realising that Bielsa had his 100th day in charge and just listening to the lovely things that he said. 1,000 days. 100 days does sound about right, usually for Bielsa. That's 800. You did. I don't believe I did. I believe I said a thousand. I've written a thousand. That's what I said. <laughs> I, I just what a, what a thousand days it's been as well. Can you? Um, I can't imagine life um, without Bielsa. In fact, I, I'm. I think I'm at a point where I'm a little bit obsessed with him. I can't go more than sort of half an hour in my day without thinking about him. <laughs> it's just it's just a bizarre. I know this is sort of weird. I mean, weird stalkerish behaviour territory here. But yeah, I just I've never been. So absolutely infatuated with the manager as what I am with Bielsa. He's just been an absolute revelation. Yeah, me and my friend at work, we played we play a game of like, a, you know, going back to work over the last couple of weeks, played a game of um, ever like what people say, bingo, you know, hit list out for common things that people say. And under my name was mentions Bielsa. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can have a conversation with somebody without saying his name. I'm bringing it up. It could be anything. You, just, <laughs> you see somebody walking a dog and you go, do you know who would love doing that? And it looked really good for Bielsa. And you know, they do it. He'd run with that dog. It'd take for miles and the best day of that dog's life. You know, he's, he's just, he's just become like an institution for Leeds, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He really has. Did, I know it's jumping the gun way too much. Will will there be a, a statue outside Allen Road from when he's gone? I think they'll probably do. I think they'll do something for him. I really do. I don't know. I always thought that they didn't really honour Lucas Radderby enough. There's the Lucas Radderby entrance, isn't there? Um, and that's about all as much as he's got. I'm thinking surely Bielsa deserves at least an entrance. I'm thinking of different parts of the stadium you could name after him. I'm thinking entrance is, is the least you could do for him, surely. The Bielsa fan zone at half time sounds all right, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds all right. <laughs> Did you watch his um, football focus interview, uh, the one-on-one one that he did um, on BBC? Yeah, so he gave the one-on-one interview, and again, I know I mentioned it last time on the podcast. They, she spoke about how well, uh, how much he loves Leeds, and he, and he sort of mentioned the fact that he'll never love us as much as Newell's. And I was like, no, please, <laughs> please love us, love us. Don't talk about your ex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he's just been, uh, he's just changed everything, and I just. Uh, not just with the team. I feel like he's taken the whole club in a different direction as well. And uh, I know Radrazani can take a lot of credit for uh, a lot of the stuff that the club's doing, but it also feels like that he's the centrepiece of it, you know, and he pulls everything together. And the fact, I know that the club does a lot of community work, but it almost feels like it's more genuine because you've got someone like Bielsa who's in charge, who clearly cares about things like community and, and is a good person and is a fun, he's fundamentally believes in these sorts of things. So he just ties everything together. And I just, yeah. Just love him. Rosani must pinch himself every morning thinking, how did we manage to get this guy in? And basically, always just to sit back and let him do what he wants to do. And it's, a, it's an it honest dream, me. isn't it? It really it, is. It amazes me that Bielsa met Victor Orta and still was happy with everything. <laughs> that absolutely baffles me. I don't know what Victor Orta could have said. The absolute lunatic that is. I think I'd have met him and ran. Uh, but also, it seems to be like a perfect sort of pairing, doesn't it? You know, a loco and a man like Victor Orta, who as well takes a lot of credit for 
bring them to us into our lives and into our hearts. Otto <laughs> was having a row with um, Tuchel, wasn't he, at the game, apparently? apparently. Yeah, well, not a row, but apparently when uh, Bamford went down, Otto was shouting at Chilwell, kick it out, kick it out, blah, blah, blah. And then Tuchel sort of turned around to him and said, you wouldn't do it for our players or something like that. It just, it just sums up Otto, doesn't it, getting involved in the game. Yeah, he's a, he's a passionate bloke, isn't he? But he is. um, well, so passionate. I, I've read that him and Bielsa can have absolutely slagging matches, like absolutely screaming at each other at, at sometimes. Really? really, yeah, yeah, really going yeah, at each that. other. But then, but then, sort of, it, it's all resolved. And, and they know they're both doing it from a point of passion. So I think that you know, it doesn't bubble over into anything more than that. But yeah, I've heard they can get really intense uh, conversations, shall we say? <laughs> I don't know how to be more scared of. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. That I think Alter would be a little bit more manic and a little bit more chaotic, but there's always the danger that Bielsa's going to pull out the hand grenade. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> right, so moving on to predictions. Pete, come on, tell us how much we're going to lose by. I'm going to go for 3-1 leads. James? Um, I'm going to go 2-1 leads. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I do think we'll win. And I think that, um, you know, we've never lost more than, we, is it, we've never lost more than two league games in a row the entire season. We've never won more than two in a row. We've never lost more than two in a row. So I was happy with the Chelsea result that we stopped, you know, we stopped that potential um, statistic of having three, three losses in a row. And I think it's now, we'll, we'll get back to winning ways now. I'm confident. Uh, well, James also thinks 2-0. Uh, Connor's gone for a, a goal fest of 3-2 uh, and Lee has gone for a modest 1-0 uh, victory uh, to be honest I'm going to echo Pete again this oh. week I'm going, to say, I'm going for a 3-1 win uh, I, th- I think we'll score an early goal I think they'll get back to us and then I think we'll score a couple later on What I've just realised we haven't scored in the last three have we? Nope No. That's all going to change Pete because we all think we're going to win we're, gonna clean Pete. we're, all, <laughs> we're all saying all right. victory just because I was a bit positive, I had to bring some negativity back in there. <laughs> I was just looking before thinking, yeah, we haven't scored recently. <laughs> right, that brings us to the, to the end of today's podcast. Uh, thank you again, James, for joining us. We really appreciate you coming in and giving yeah. us your insight. Uh, it's really nice talking to you. Absolute pleasure as usual. Um, and what we'll say, thank you for listening. And, you know, please, please do get in touch with us if you think of anything that you'd, you'd like to be on the podcast, if you've got any opinions or anything. Uh, stay safe and up the leads.